0: Would be completely different. Whoop! You did. No, no. Hold on. Something just fell there. Sorry.
1: Said in the second leg. Funnily enough, uh, by by. I was going to say Clive Davis. There, it was another person altogether <laughs> <laughs> The
0: the marking. The, the, marking the, the marking. was shocking.
1: So, Dave, you've got another UEFA. Ure- <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I would have said the Citizen M is better is because it's got free porn on it. <laughs> <laughs> Composure. Compu- and the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Are coming! Hi everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek, and with me is my co-host Dave. How you doing, Dave?
0: Well, Derek, we're still recording and we're still talking, but it's just bitterly disappointing. I see. Uh, you know, we—I'm we, sure we're going to get into it late, later on, but just another disappointing Champions League attempt. And it's been one of many over the years, certainly that I can remember a long, long time ago, even when you were a wee laddie, Derek. It's happened so many times. Really disappointed, uh, disappointed with a few other things. It's not going to be the usual chirpy, happy podcast that we've had over the last few months anyway, uh, because it's been a bit of a disaster. But we're still here to talk about it, Derek. Hopefully this can be therapy for myself, you and anybody else that's that, that's listening, but we've got a lot to talk about, haven't we?
1: Yeah, I thought you were going to say you were just disappointed because in the last two weeks since the last pod, you've never managed to get a holiday in.
0: I know, i back, back working <laughs> and everything, dude. I mean, oh, how man. depressing can you get to friend <laughs> the been having the Rangers and them having to work to boot? It uh, doesn't get much worse than that, mate, does it?
1: Yes, but it's, it's it's not going to be the the best of podcasts in terms of the results because <laughs> in fairness we've no had one of these for what maybe about a year, Dave. Have we? A, a really yeah, bad I know bad run. I so, know.
0: but we had like nine seasons before <laughs> that. So we should we should be used to it by now. But uh, aye, not uh, not great reading, unfortunately. But uh, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into that as the pod goes on.
1: Yes. So we'll go down the tunnel and onto the pitch. So the first game we've got to cover was Tuesday the 3rd of August, it was a 2-1 loss away to Malmo in the Champions League qualifiers round 3 leg 1. Seven changes from the Livingston game, we lined up McGregor, Tavernier Goldson, Hellander, Barisic, Davis Lundstrom, Arfield, Wright, Kent Nitton. On the subs bench we had McCrory Hogarth, Bassey, Hadji, Simpson Patterson, Kelly, Sakala and Alec Lowry. Looking at that, a pretty lightweight bench wasn't it?
0: Derek, I've seen all these mock-ups that that people have been doing on Twitter for the start of the season, showing us that we've got two, if not three, starting 11s that we could put out. Which you know, a lot of people are saying that would still be sort of champions in Scotland and give anybody a game. It's went from having that to having a bear, a very, very bare squad, hasn't it? With suspensions, injuries, people not fit. International duty Stuff like that And as you say A very young bench And you know Guys were not With a lot of experience In there Especially for a massive Game like this So I When I saw that I was I was a wee bit concerned Derek I've got to be honest with you
1: Yeah but Just delighted to be back In Champions League qualifying yep. full, full of expectation As we, we yeah. kind of, I Thought anyway You know Malmo yes. Just a twist of fate as well The fact that The last time we were in The qualifiers Last time we were in The Champions uh, League it was Malmo that put us out. And a bad stat that was was said in the second leg, funnily enough, uh, by Clive Tilsley was the fact yes. that we've, we've, I think we had played about 36 nations over 360-odd games, and our Swedish Swedish teams are the only nation we've still to beat, and oh. the run continues.
0: Yes, it does, Derek. I, I hate these superstitions. I hate all, all of this. I hate the... Lightning striking twice, but I always say to myself, "Oh, that that will not happen." And Derek, I was feeling supremely confident before you know the actual night, but before I seen the the, the players that were had missing, but still a first eleven that you would have thought could have got maybe have sneaked a win or you know got a draw. Uh, but I'll let you get into the game anyway, Derek.
1: I mean the first half was a scrappy half You could tell that we were just out of pre-season Malmo were well into their season I think this was like the 18th competitive yes. game I think We'd started off the first five minutes brightly Then completely dropped off And it took us most of the half to get back in it Malmo were comfortable with the ball passing about well Closing us down quickly Contrast that with us Where I wouldn't say we were looked nervy But we struggled to keep possession Mainly due to our poor touches and bad passing Our set pieces again were rather poor not many yeah. getting past the first man or it was hit too long took us to around the 30th minute to get to grips with the game we were more comfortable we got a lot more possession and we started to knock the ball about well uh, it was a bit of a really a nothing half in, in that, yeah. that kind of case no really anything that either keeper had to do no. so into the second half what could really only be described as 5 minutes of madness followed oh. by 40 minutes of lacklustre passing running into walls poor possession followed by 5 minutes of patient build-up and probing and a stunning strike to give us a lifeline in the end to make things a little easier for the oh, for the yeah. following week but on the 47th minute Malmo went a goal up Malmo came out the blocks, put a lot of us under a lot of pressure with a corner, a poor one to nobody at that. It wasn't cleared. We had a number of occasions where we could have taken the ball, taken the possession back, but didn't. The ball was played to the right, the player at the back posts and acres of space for a long time. Crossed to him, he controlled and he shot in at the near post. Just absolute criminal defending again. One feature that we've seen so far this year, the marking has been absolutely woeful, and this was another typifying example.
0: And I mean, again, Derek, it was something that we were totally, you know, proud of the way that Rangers had defended the whole of last season. You know, it was going to, you know, it was like, it's going to take something special to, you know, to get past us and get past Alan McGregor. And as you say, the marking was shocking. And it was just a a complete lack of desire as well, Derek, to just try and be first to the ball also. And... You know, as you say, it was just it was like watching a completely different team, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, still typing up, and I think you know everybody has commented this. Who does a podcast, heart and hand? A lot of them. They were still typing up the notes from that goal and from yeah. kickoff on the 48th minute, Malmo went two 0 up. As I said, from kickoff we lost possession. I don't know how. I really don't know how. I think Lundstrom had something to do with it, but I don't know if he's just been the whipping boy lately. But it was I think it was a bad pass. A quick break on the right by Malmo, similar to the last time. No marking at the back post. Oh. Golson tries to get the ball, but completely misses it. Does some sort of spin. Falls to the player who places it into the right-hand side. I think Tavernier was tracking back, but again, never got back to the man quick enough as well. I think that was the case where... Um, he was trying to cover for a player who was out of position but he was out of position himself and not picking up the man on the on the, on the left hand side so yeah. a, a calamity of errors in 3 minutes just absolutely abysmal
0: just this is strange again to see like, the likes of Conor And as you said Derek, he was he was all he was all over the shop he was he didn't look assured as as he not normally does and it was just to to me it looked like a sort of simple mark mark and job stay tight to your man don't let you know. Just make sure that they don't get a shot away. And it was just all too easy in, in my opinion. And then from there, that's us. You know, we're, we're saying to ourselves, that's us that we're out because we never looked as if we were going to score, Derek. It was you know very you know half chances that we were we were making. And at that point, it was just as grim as it could get. And you know we, we were looking at the team saying, is this is this the same team that that won the league a couple of months ago? It was just it was really really poor stuff to watch. And I think everybody was in shock. Really, uh, just be watching the way the standard of the defending game, and it just it, it did as you say. You, you said it perfectly. There, it was like a calamity of errors in defence, and <laughs> you can't say anymore. It was just really, really, really poor.
1: No, and then I think Malmo really sat back after that. They allowed us a lot more possession, um, yeah. but we done absolutely nothing with it. Really, I've, I've actually literally put no more notes here other than it came off on the sixty second, and Sakala came on, and. I'm not too sure if I'd just been pissed off And I haven't written anything Or literally there was no more subs after that Because once again Decisions with substitutions were severely lacking It was clear that we weren't getting out, anything out of it But the lack of subs However, on the 95th minute We got an absolute lifeline with Davis scoring We had possession for about I think there was about five minutes of injury time We had possession for about four minutes straight Passing and probing in and around their box A couple of floated crosses But only clear to our players Passed to Davis just inside the box who has a ping, might have taken a slight deflection but it sails right into the top right corner and that should have been the thing that spurred us on for the next game because Completely. you've seen you've seen the reaction of their players it's almost yep. as if they, they had realised they had flung everything they could at it they were absolutely knackered and a lot of them dropped to their knees at that point because they realised this is a massive chance that they've just blown with giving us that lifeline granted there was no away goal so I don't know if that has been a detriment to us in the end, or it was a bonus for for the, the next game. But, you know, certainly it, it was a lifeline nonetheless.
0: Definitely, Derek. And we all watched us and watched how poorly that we had performed for us to get that last gasp goal to give us a lifeline. Everybody at the same time said there is absolutely no way that we're going to play as woeful as that. In a packed Ibrox, really hungry, really desire, hopefully getting some players back. And we all got a major boost for that as supporters-wise, it's a great goal. There wasn't a lot of standouts, Derek, but the man that scored the goal for Ranger, Stephen Davis, by far, in my opinion, by far our best player. They were the only one really with pass marks all night. I thought he never he never stopped all night. He was Trying to get on the ball as much as possible and control the game. So you know, delighted for him to score the goal at the time. And you know, we really did think that that was going to be it. We were got, you know, that that was your chance to go through, especially since we we're going to be playing him at Ibrox.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, overall, we were very poor by our standards. A lot yep. of players posted missing. As you said, Davis probably the best player out of the lot of them. You could tell that we had just come out of pre-season and they were so many games into it. Malmo were well organised, but I don't think they were. I, I'm not going to insult them by saying I don't think they were that good. I think we've played better teams in Europe yes. over the last couple of yep. years than Malmo.
0: Definitely.
1: They only had three shots on target all game and two of them were goals. Granted, yes. we only had two shots on target and one was a goal, but that just shows you the lack, one, for a start, we focus on ourselves, how little we done considering how much possession we yeah. had, and two, how little they done as <laughs> well. So, and the fact that they come away <laughs> with two, a 2-1 two, win... One, one. <laughs>
0: Derek, that's nothing because I've got to... <laughs> we'll wait to the return leg and I'll tell you the stats <laughs> for the return leg. If you think that's bad, but I'll save I'll save that for when we get to it.
1: Yes, so we had to pick ourselves back up though uh, oh. for the next game, it was Saturday the 7th of August we clearly never because we lost 1-0 awaited on United in the Premiership now I never got a chance to see the game, I had a family commitment that day and I'm kind of glad I did, however I did watch the full game back uh, a couple of days ago for this podcast so that's the dedication I do for this but we made four changes from the Malmo game we lined up McLaughlin, Tavernier, Goldson Hellander, Barisic, Davis, Lundström Kamara, Arebo, Kent and Morelis on the subs bench, we had McGregor, paterson Simpson, Arfield, Wright, Eton, and Defoe. Uh, Kamal Roof was missing. They did say before the game he had a, a family emergency to deal with. And it turned out that his son was in hospital with, I think it was bronchitis. So I yeah. believe he's, he's kind of recovering just now. I hope all as That's well. That's good, yep. Um, and yes. I think he, he was back playing as well with us uh, for the game mm-hmm. against Umfermline, So
0: That's right, yep.
1: Yep. So, the first half uh, I as I said, it was a fairly open game with Dundee United playing a lot with a lot of pace and a lot of energy, whereas we were patient border non-lethargic at times, but peppered with some quick breaks as well. McLaughlin, the busier of the two keepers, however, fairly bread and butter for, for, his, for his saves. We had a few chances, however, blighted by poor finishing and poor decision-making. Controversial moment on the 41st minute when Morales was breaking through with the ball and yeah. dragged back by, by Mulgrew. M- Mulgrew was only given a yellow, certainly a case for the, for a red there because he was through on goal, albeit he was about five yards outside the box and there was a defender to his left, but for me, it was a clear goal-scoring opportunity.
0: I didn't actually think it was Mulgrew, Derek. I thought it was the the reincarnation of a young Paolo Maldini at his, <laughs> uh, at his prime. Because the way that the commentators were speaking about him, that's who you would have thought that was playing against Rangers. Do you know what I mean? It was quite incredible. It was a clear red card, Derek. He was throwing goal. Pulled back, how he stayed on the park, I've got no idea and that's you know, completely for us. That had been a huge chance for, for us in, in that game. It didn't go our way. But as you say, just really lackadaisical again in the first half, wasn't it? Not enough clear goal scoring chances for us. We looked again really lethargic and hoping for better in the second half.
1: Yeah, I mean needed to play with a lot higher tempo And a lot more composure in the final third as well And having a pop when the gap opens up That's something that yeah. the team Even last year I would have said Were, were criticised for About looking for the perfect um, opportunity to score Just take a pop How many goals have we scored with, with deflections? I mean it doesn't matter if it comes off the, the foot The arse or it's a clean strike It's uh, If it goes in the back of the net it's a goal So
0: Exactly, yep Yep
1: yeah. Into the second half though started off a lot brighter In the second half With a lot more urgency But again Doing little little with it Nor were we putting The Dundee United Keeper Under any pressure We had a lot of possession And it was all undone In the 64th minute With a bit of fortune For United To go a goal up United got the ball On the left Near the touchline At the halfway line The boy cuts inside Drives it forward The attacker plays it Too far in front of him He manages to get the ball back But he tries to pass To correct himself It deflects off the boot Of the backtracking Davis right into the box to the on-running attacker who slots it past the keeper. Massive slice of fortune and arguably against the runner play in the second half at that point there. But again, that's the type of fortune sometimes you need and sometimes it lacks with us. Sometimes you need to create your own fortune, but they got it and were a goal down. I
0: don't know. It was. It was a a very fortunate uh, deflection that they got and falling perfectly right in front of the Dundee United player basically just to stick his big toe out and Get past McLaughlin. You can't account for lucky sort of the deflected passes and stuff like that, Derek. But again, it was just. Really disappointing at that stage because although Rangers weren't, you know, absolutely dominating, we, we were the better team at that point. I felt that they had, that we had the upper hand on Dundee United. It was us that were having the vast majority of possession. It was us that were, us that were doing all the probing, and trying to get forward. And then, you know, quite rightly, like you say, against the, the runny play, that happened and that basically knocked the wind right out of sails, didn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've always said when it's a draw or we're only a goal up, we could be doing absolutely everything right on top of them and all it takes is one mistake or one bit of fortune like that and then it's back to square one or we're losing so
0: yeah.
1: but after the goal United seemed to take heart from that and they came at us with a bit more however everything came to to nothing really we arguably had the better of the play in the last 20 minutes of the game but again still came to nothing our bit Our best chance of the game, I would have said, was on the 57th minute. It was a cross into the United box, headed away, but only to Tavernier in space, who was 25 yards from goal, who controls it and has a great shot, and there was a great dive and save by the keeper out for the corner. And that's really the only major piece of play, I think, we forced the keeper into doing. Uh, Just really, really bitterly disappointing all round. You had the usual bunker nuts on Twitter. I'm glad I missed a lot of it because, you know, it was fucking lunch from get about. absolute waster. He's no go to it. Blah 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 blah. He's a Premiership player, for God's sake. You know, a loss was always going to come at some point, and that's what we've got to to understand. At least it's came at the start of the season, not. Right at the end, when it could have been really, really costly, a loss is a loss. You take it on the chin. You've got to move on from it, and as long as you learn from the mistakes, which we kind of never really for the next game. But yeah, it's not about the loss; it's about how you react from the loss. And I think we've seen that last year with the the cup games, especially when we had the Motherwell game right right the next game. We went down with an early goal. We came out two one winners in the end. So or was it was a three one, I think. But three one, um, yeah, yeah. So, it was going to come at some point, as I said.
0: It, it was. I mean, we we, we did create a, a, a couple of other chances as well, Derek. As you say, the Tavernier chance was probably the the best one. It was a great shot and a great save. There was a couple of crosses to the back post when Morelos was unlucky. and she should have done better with a hit header as well. But again, it, it didn't come to anything. And again, Derek, you, you touched on it in the last game against Malmo. The standard of balls into the box from us so far this season has been really, really poor, considering, you know, we've got the likes of Tavernier and I mean, what the hell has happened to Borna Barisic Derek? I mean, that's, it's, it looks completely completely different and you know me, Derek, I adore the guy I think he's a phenomenal player I don't know if he's still unfit, he's still trying to get back into, you know, full match fitness but he just does not look sharp He's uh, some of the, you know, his, his passing he just looks a completely different player for some reason, eh, Barisic and as I say, the standard the ball's in, into the box, whereas last year we were terrorising teams with crosses in, but so far the season it's just no, no work to, it's just been re- really, really poor
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: I, I don't know as well Derek, if the following game was playing on a lot of players' minds as well, it shouldn't do because they're professionals, but the magnitude of the game and the importance of the following, you know, the return leg at Ibrox against Malmo, maybe it was playing on, you know, p- players' minds that they were wanting to be completely fit for the game. And as I say, I wouldn't like to think so, but a, it was a massive match for the club. So that could possibly have been a, you know, a contributing factor into, you know, players not looking as if they were as as, as fully focused as they normally would be.
1: Yeah. I mean it could be but our mentality has always been one game at a time. So I would well, it would anger we me say if that, that
0: was the case. We say that, but games as important as this one could well be, you know, we we, we don't like to think it is but it, it could always be a factor.
1: Yeah. So leading into the next game It was Tuesday the 10th of August It was another 2-1 loss at home to Malmo Champions League qualifying round 3 Leg 2 and we were out The good thing about the game though is uh, Obviously this was deemed freedom day the day before And we were due to get Basically the whole stadium opened up However the SMP being the SMP They like to put their own wee quick spin on things And outdoor events were apparently going to be Limited to 5,000 people Yes, outdoor events yes. limited to five thousand people, but it was up to the local authority to listen to any requests. So more or less the same day, and to their credit for this one, Glasgow City Council said that it would give the all clear to Rangers and Celtic for full capacity all their games, and I think all their local councils have followed suit as well. So yeah, um, so the good thing there. So it was going to be a full house. It didn't stop there being ticketing issues at Ibrox, so an absolute disgrace this one here as well, major ticketing issues with thousands of fans being locked out not, some of them not getting in until 10 minutes to go, massive queues at the ticketing office as well because smart cards were not being activated and there was double booking the seats, my mate went along he had booked his seat and somebody was sitting in his seat and he had to yep. go and stand, stand for the rest of the game, But she wasn't too bothered about standing, but again it's somebody you know, a double booking a seat yeah. an email came days later from the club effectively putting the onus back on the fans that is absolutely abysmal it's time and time again especially at the first game of the season where there's always ticketing issues with smart cars not being activated that's one issue but the other issue is double booking seats that should have never happened one thing i don't understand is is it seems that the the new communications director has been in place for a number of months now nearly over a year potentially and with done the big hard-hitting statements absolutely spot on and see when it comes to basic communication issues such as ticketing even the how to activate smart cards how to get all your tickets and all that kind of thing it's completely backwards and from what i've seen and heard the continuous credit card scheme has been absolutely woeful with you having to go in and purchase your tickets when you shouldn't even need to because if you're on that scheme and you're selected the specific games, European Cup Games friendlies, it should automatically come off your account. You shouldn't need to be logging in and going activating it. So the ticketing has been woeful for a number of years. It really needs to get sorted out very quick.
0: Definitely, Derek. I've heard from a few people as well that were exactly the same stories as you told me there you know, they had went and sit in their seat and, you know, their tickets had been double booked and stuff like that. For a club like Rangers, that just can't happen, Derek. That's a really, really poor show. And as you say, the amount of fans that ended up getting locked out as well and missed the game was absolutely shocking. So, as you say, something seriously needs to to happen to make sure that that doesn't happen again.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's a case of because you can get lots of online platforms that do ticketing. What we found out during the pandemic is there was a lot of online retailers, not their, their websites weren't fit for mass volumes going onto the website and and doing various things because they don't generally need to have many occasions where you've got a lot of traffic at the one time. I don't know if it's Ranger's stance, the fact that, well, we've got 45,000 season ticket holders, a lot of them automatically renew anyway, For general ticketing, there's only maybe going to be about 5,000 tickets on general sale. We don't need to to upgrade our ticketing system, but it's the same issues time and time again. And smart cards not being activated, that's just not good enough. As what has been said in other podcasts, there should have been at least a steward on at least every other turnstile so that you could get quick access to to information. And all it should have been is a quick check on a wee, wee computer or laptop. Have they got the ticket? Yes, right, let them in. You know, simple, simple things like that. And they all had to go and queue at the, the ticketing office. So that's a, a great for another day, anyway. Four changes from the Dundee United game. We lined up McGregor, Tavernier, Goldson, Baligan, Barisic, Arfield, Davis, Aribo, Wright, Morellis, and Kent. On the subs bench, we had McCrory, Bassey, Lundstrom, Hellander, Hadji, Itton, Simpson, Patterson, Kelly, Sakala, and Hogarth. We also released the third top that same day as well. And we ended up wearing it for the game as well because apparently oh. Malmo never never brought their full kit um, and
0: again Derek, that, that never bears well for us, does
1: it? Certainly not, no, second time in <laughs> two seasons it's happened as well so I don't know if it's a bit of mind games there from Malmo trying to get us to change because I think their other kit was dark blue I think or something like that so yeah. again it just baffles me though as well that, that the colour choice for our away kit was black rather than just going white or something like that Just uh, the third choice kit Dave, I don't like it at all
0: Well, it's it's reminiscent, Derek, a long time ago in the the days of Adidas being the the Rangers kit sponsor. Brian Loudrup was playing, and I remember it was a sort of lilac top that we had as a sort of third third kit that that we only wore a, a couple of times. So I think they're trying to go back to... To that style as well. I wasn't a great fan of it then. I'm certainly a no great, great fan of it now. And now after this game, I really, really hope <laughs> that we never wear it ever again.
1: No, but certainly in the first half, that was more like the Rangers we, we yes. know. For the first 30 minutes, at least, we came out the traps on fire, with pace, chasing every ball, hunting down every ball, hunting every Malmo player down when they had the ball, not giving Malmo an inch, and more importantly, not being timid in our, our challenges. We were passing about well, getting into space. The only disappointment was the deliveries could have been better to give us some more clear-cut chances. However, we did go a goal up on the 18th minute with Morella scoring. Kent got the ball on the left-hand side near the touchline, cuts inside rather than passing to the overlapping in Barisic, he whips in a great cross to the back post Morelos jumps up And it hits off Morelos I think it ended up being the top of his shoulder Into the right hand side Past the keeper Don't care how they go in They went in and, and just a great start from us
0: Absolutely brilliant Derek The crowd were well up for it The noise for the stadium was tremendous And it was an absolute perfect start Wasn't it And Alfredo Morales was just looking like The Alfredo Morales that we all love he wasn't giving them a second. He was bullying them. His hold-up play was fantastic. His link-up play was fantastic. And then there he is, pop him up at the back post. You know, our uh, top all-time top European goal scorer does it again. Uh, great start for us, Derek. And from then, as soon as we scored that goal, I thought, right, this is it. We're going to go on and score another couple. Because just like what you said, Derek, that, you know, it was, we, we had finally turned up to a match and we were we were all over them. We really were, and they were looking shell shocked. And uh, you know, I was absolutely delighted at that point.
1: Yep, absolutely. Moment of controversy though on the thirty-fourth minute, where it was a long ball played up to our, our box. McGregor comes out and he handles the ball right on the edge of yeah. the box, if not the line. Which, if it was on the line, perfectly legal. The linesman was in near perfect vision to to give the fill, but didn't. And it was a ref who was about. 10, 15, 20 yards further back, not in a good position to see it, and he gave a free kick and a yellow card. Now, I'm a bit baffled with this because certainly Clive Tilsley was the way he spoke. It sounded as if he thought, what he because he said McGregor could be in trouble here, it's yes. almost as if he could have been sent off because I was under yep. the impression that if it was a deliberate handball outside of the box by the, the, the keeper, it was a red card. Somebody online said that rules have changed with that now. Given the fact that I've, we've seen about a million replays of it from a couple of different angles, it's still completely inconclusive. I have no idea how the referee could have gave that, and if it should have been a yellow, if it should have been a red card, then again another baffling decision by the referee.
0: Totally, Derek. I was shitting myself at that point because like you said, I heard uh, Clive Tilsley say exactly the same thing, and I thought, that's Clive that works for Rangers. If he's saying that, McGregor's off here. It certainly looked as if he did handle it outside the box. i know a, a, a lot of people with their blue tinted glasses on. have said, "Oh, definitely, no, it was right in the line." I was of, of the opinion it did. So I think we definitely got away with one there, uh, Derek, and that, So did Alan McGregor. But but like you, I, I was sure that it, it should have been a red card. So uh, but you know, at that point, when I was taking it. I was delighted it was the yellow, and that you know it wasn't and more sinister.
1: Yeah, and probably the biggest controversial decision of the game it arguably changed the game for us as well because on the 46th minute, Malmo got a red card for a second yellow card offence. Great name, bonky Innocent. He was guilty in this time, but he was sent off for his second yellow. He had only been given his first yellow about five minutes previous as well for holding on to So It was a proper rugby tackle and kind of going back. The second was for a challenge in Goldson where he shown the studs and I don't know if he really made contact or not, to be honest. he certainly shown the studs, so he can't have much complaint about that. And the way he angled his leg, kind of flicked it out, it looked worse than it was. Goldson as well, though, shown the studs, so... Yeah, uh, but Potentially a house red But he put the ref in a position Where he had to make a decision So we've been blighted with that over the years Especially domestically But in Europe as well I'll take it
0: Definitely At, at that stage in the game, Derek We're one now. We need to win by 2 to go through We're at home We're playing really well We've got them under the cosh And they get a man sent off you know, that's that's the stuff that dreams are made of in games like this, or it should be. So, you know, absolutely delighted. Ibrox was rocking. We honestly thought at that point, of that, oh, well, that's Malmo. They're just going to have to sit back now and defend for, for their lives. And uh, that's us. We, you, you know, we'll do it now, no problem. And how wrong were we? Yeah.
1: I mean, the last 50 minutes of the, the first half, we did slow down, perhaps because of our pace for the first 30 minutes, and we had maybe tired ourselves out. Malmo did get a wee bit more of the ball and and the game did get a wee bit scrappy, but Malmo didn't trouble us much at all. Into the second half, as you said, we know on cloud nine almost because it was all in our favour. And then... The second half started off much like the second half of last week's game. The only difference is we had a man advantage and you wouldn't have even thought it. We were absolutely woeful. We couldn't string a pass together. We couldn't keep the ball. Malmo were all over us. And that resulted them scoring two goals in four minutes from absolutely shocking Nothing. defending yep. again. Yep. Mm-hmm. First goal was on the 53rd minute when they drew level and made it one each. It was a throw-in on the right, a simple pass to the centre. A lot of, granted, it was a lovely reverse ball to the only player who was in the box. Two <laughs> of our players were nowhere near him, and their attacker hits the shot and uh, slides it past McGregor's right side. Criminal defending. How you can lose a goal from a throw-in from that?
0: Un- uh, unbelievable, Derek. I'm not taking anything away from the guy with the shot. It was a clinical strike. Re- really good shot. But exactly like you said, Derek, from a throw-in, how is a guy allowed to get to receive the ball for a throw and control it, turn, pick his spot, shoot and score in the box? Absolutely criminal, Derek. Completely criminal. Unforgivable as well. It was like going back to the Mark Warburton type type of defending, wasn't it? It was it was absolutely shocking. You you, you can't do that at all. As you say, if it'd been you know, a shot that had been late, you know, a control, layoff, pass shot, something like that you would say there. But, you know, the amount of time that the guy got to control the ball, turn and have a shot, absolutely terrible. Uh, and that, that was it. That deflated everyone instantly at the start of the second half, didn't it?
1: Well, I mean, if you think that's criminal, then I don't know what you're <laughs> going to think about this next goal. I oh, know. Because on the 57th minute, Malmo made it 2-1 and it was... Very similar to the first one, although probably even worse for the no, fact that it was, that yep, it was it a throw-in from the left and four of our players, four of our players were getting dragged out by two of their players out to, to the corner. One touch by the eventual goal scorer in the box, who had his back to goal, flicks it round two of his markers and shoots it into the back of it. net. Great skill, no t- again, no take that away from him. But how he was able to receive that ball completely unmarked, turn his two defenders and then scored the goal. That's six of our players were there yeah. to mark three of their players, and not one player picked up a man. Absolutely scandalous.
0: Shocking. Aribo, Balogun, you know, really need to hang their heads in shame, Derek, because they were the two guys that were right on them, and there was not one single challenge put in on the guy when he had the ball at his feet, when he was able just to turn turn two players, Derek. And I'm not letting Alan McGregor away with it either, Derek, because uh, although... You know, you're expecting our defenders to deal with it. I thought his positioning was really suspect as well for him shooting. I think that, uh, you know, he, he made it a lot easier for the guy. He, he picked his spot as well because he was really far over and left a big gap. So all round, Derek, and you know me, I don't slag off Alan McGregor ever because he's phenomenal. But the whole defence, Derek, from goalkeeper right through the two centre-halves and, as I say, a rebound as well absolute criminal. How any team, Derek, any professional team at this level can go from winning 1-0 against 10 men in the space of five minutes to be getting beat 2-1 it's just it doesn't happen does it these things do not happen unforgivable for me that way when it comes to defence I don't know what Stephen Gerrard must, must have been thinking as well but he must have been really sitting there saying what the hell has happened to my team here when they can't defend the basics like that as you say the first goal Absolutely shocking, but that one is just—it's—it's it's unforgivable defending Derek. It really is.
1: Yeah, and then Malmo sat back and we played right into that trap by yep. only getting the ball wide, attempting to cross, and more often than not, it doesn't beat the first man or no. it was overcooked, overcooked, rinse and repeat because that's all we done all yep. the rest of the night. We didn't change the style at all. We changed the personnel again too late. And all we have done is put shite crosses in. This is what that baffles me. We haven't signed a big target man for the centre forward position. So combine that with the fact that we've got a small attack and they've got a tall defense. And then massive you're just
0: putting, defense, Derek. Massive defense. The guys were huge. I don't <laughs> think that they had
1: in there. I don't think there was a man there less than six four or something like that, no. because they were all, as you said, giants. But yep. <laughs> you want to try and vary it up and when Sakala did come on I think he did try and play things through the middle and we got a couple of shots off and they were deflected out wide but you know, he was the only one really that that tried anything in that, that second half, anything different, I mean we dominated possession granted but what's the point if you're going to do absolutely nothing with it and as you said last season we were terrorising people down that wing and putting in inch perfect crosses this season it's just been absolutely abysmal so far yeah. Um but that was three losses on the bounce. We went and we obviously went out of the the Champions League qualifiers bitterly disappointed into the the Europa League qualifiers, which we'll get to later on. And we went into the Dunfermline game, as I said in the post match, almost in, in crisis mode because you know from only losing three games all season last year, we've now lost three in the bounce this year. I
0: know, it's the, the Derek, I've seen it all happen before. Uh, I, I hate all this. We we spoke about lightning striking twice and stuff like that. Over the years, I've seen it happen to us before against teams like AK Athens and Sparta Prague, IFK Gothenburg. I mean, it's happened time and time again. We have went into Champions League qualifying matches expecting to win and the sucker punch hits us, or we just you know, we just don't turn up. It's happened so many times. I was hoping under Stephen Gerrard, our mindset would have changed that way. And you know, it's the curse of the Champions League qualifiers for Rangers struck yet again. Derek, I would prefer us from now on to be playing an elite team to get into the qualifying games. I really would because I feel that when we are the underdog, especially in Europe, that is when we turn up for games. And we were all sitting saying before the Malmo game, oh, it's a, that's a winnable tie. And, you know, we'll go on. We were looking, you know, at the next game after that, it was going to be Ludo Gretz or Olympiakos, who we would fancy out of these games. I don't think that us playing teams like this are good for us as a team going forward. I think that we really need to be playing elite teams to really raise our game you'd be going through. And, uh, you know, for now on, if we get into that uh, that position again, uh, you know, I'll be looking. And if it's going to be a tie that everybody thinks that we're going to get beat, then that's a game I think that we would probably do better in because that's that's been our mentality in Europe. And uh, I really did think at half time that there was a bit of complacency in that game. We were 1-1 against 10 men. I think the team just thought they were going to have to turn up in the second half and, you know, we'd go out and win easily and it didn't need to happen like that and we were completely shell-shocked by it. As I say, just really bit- bitterly disappointed by the whole event. I really was.
1: I think as well the, the sending off, probably the- it-, it was kind of harsh, so that it probably lit a fire in the belly of Malmo and that worked completely against us. And yes. As you said, combine that with we just thought we had to turn up in the second yep. half and we were there, but Ah, just another disappointment. But anyway... We'll go into a slightly better game now because it was on Friday the 13th of August it was a 5-0 win at home to Dunfermline in the League Cup now unfortunately it was another game that I never got to see because I was away with my wife that night so I never got to see that and I think I would have been murdered if I watched the football <laughs> on the-
0: Like you Derek, I was working so I only got to see the first half which was probably the best half to watch because that's where the vast majority of the goals was so I did, I did get to see the first half before I started my work and as you say it was a, a game that couldn't come quick enough for us we, we needed to get a good result in the match and we certainly did
1: Yep. So we made 8 changes from the Malmo game which is kind of surprising because I, I don't think many people expected as many as that, certainly one or two but maybe not 8 changes We lined up McLaughlin, Patterson, Goldson, Simpson Bassey, Lundström, Kamara, Aribo Hadji, Roof and Wright On the sub bench we have McCrory, Tavernier, Hellander Itton, Kent, Morales, Kelly, Barisic and Arfield. So Completely in control. Started off with fire on our belly and we didn't let up. We were absolutely relentless. Got to take into account the fact that Stumfermline were playing. However, they did sit back, which has been our undoing lately. So the big difference this time, though, was the delivery of the balls. Calvin Bassey was absolutely immense. Yep, De- fantastic. Dead- yep. Deadly invo- and also involved in two of the goals. First goal was on the second minute with Lundström scoring, getting his first goal for Rangers. Full of possession right from kick-off, a couple of throw-ins, poor cross from the right from rebo. however, Graham Dorans gets the ball on the edge of his box, passes backwards to nobody, I've no idea what he was trying to do, to the left side of the box. Bassey runs in, cuts it back to Lundström on the, on the edge of the box, who, in the centre, who smashes it high into the net.
0: Well done, Agent Dorans.
1: (laughs) Well, he wasn't finished for the night, was he? So, second goal was in the seventeenth minute with Wright scoring a quick counter with an exquisite ball from the halfway line from Hadji, which opens up right. He picks the ball up outside the box, cuts it inside to outfox the defender, gets the just inside of the box and hits a shot past the keeper. Brilliant goal and Hadji. That's the quality that boy can bring.
0: Exactly, yeah. That's, that's what we're looking for from Haji, isn't it? We're looking for him to unlock defences. And as you say, that pass through, absolutely exquisite. And uh, fair play to right, you know, he really did look in, in the mood and, you know, terrorised Dunfermline that whole of that first half. And uh, a great finish by him, you know, managed to stay onside, through into the goal and a, a great finish and a, a really good time as well because that's when Dunfermline sort of knew that, the, you know, we were going to be getting more. And, uh, you know, great response, Derek. I know what, what, what you're saying. It is only Dunfermline, they're a, champ- a championship team, but it's very important. That Rangers went out straight away and proved to the supporters you know, that they, they were going to go for it because it could easily have turned out to be a sluggish affair like you said but thankfully it didn't and again great finish by, by Scott right there
1: yep. and if it wasn't put to bed then two minutes later it certainly was because on the 19th minute Hadji made it 3-0 with probably the goal of, of the night for me. Absolutely
0: sensational yep
1: Aribo to Bassi down the left side. Bassi lets it run, gets near to the goal line, plays an outstanding curling cross right to the back post to find Hadji, who only has to jump up and head the ball into the back of the net. Just the the initial move there and the the vision from Aribo to play that ball to Bassi. The pace of Bassi, considering the absolute unity he's become now, and get that whipped ball across, just a fast-paced ball, a lot of curve on it, right to the head of Hadji. Outstanding.
0: Absolutely, D- Derek, pinpoint cross, and that's what I've been saying. That's the type of ball that we're used to seeing Borna Barisic putting into a box, isn't it? And he's just not been doing that recently. And as you say, Bassey, absolute athlete a yeah, boy. He was tremendous all night, tremendous cross, and an absolutely fantastic uh, header. But as you say, it-, it was all about the, the measure... And the quality of the ball in because Hadji didn't really have to jump up. He's not the, the, the biggest of guys, is he? But a uh, absolute pinpoint cross to him, and he hammered. The header into the net, absolutely tremendous
1: goal Yep, and we weren't finished in the first half Because we made it 4-0 on the 33rd minute with Roof scoring Lots of possession, ending in Kamara in the middle of the park Took it forward, passes to Aribo who cuts a lovely flick into the box Into the path of Roof who controls, cuts it to the right And then unleashes a shot high into the net, another great goal
0: Yeah, it, it really was, clinical finishing by Kamara Roof Derek, you know i have been very critical of the guy last season coming in but i actually sat and watched the, you know we'd be watching the team without him in the team and i think he brings a, a bit of sort of confidence and, and cockiness up front i think when when he's playing the now because i think he he's fully confident as well and it's certainly a player that we that we've missed without a shadow of doubt, and that, you know, again, it proved it, because he was involved in a hell of a lot of the attack and play going forward, and uh, it was just a great finish for him, really, really clinical stuff.
1: Yep. So, second half, if we were completely in control in the first half, and then the second half was really just like a training session. Yeah, that was, Dunfermline offered nothing. I don't think McLaughlin had anything to do, not even a kick-out, to be honest. Um, but Dunfermline changed their system to make it more difficult to break down. Combine that with the game being absolutely done, our players didn't need to push the boat out. Still, we had a lot of possession, knocking the ball about well in program, and problem And other than the penalty... We couldn't break them down again. Now, the penalty was on the 58th minute. The ball was worked into the box. Doran's with a challenge from behind on Roof, clearly taking him out, and the ref pointed to the spot. So, as you said, Agent Doran's job done.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, it was Derek. Clear, clear cut penalty.
1: Yep. And Roof made it 5-0 on the 59th minute. Penalty hit to the right side, past the keeper. So, Certainly with the slow start to the season, with the changes made in this game, not only will it be giving Gerard a potential selection headache, but it's a reminder to some of the players that we've got cover for your position. So if you don't start showing more, you'll be dropped. It's as simple as that. So the draw was made for the quarterfinals as well after the Celtic Hearts game on the Sunday. And we've been drawn against Livingston at home and it's to be played on the weekend of the 20th and 21st of November. So a wee bit to wait before that.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. But again, Derek, it's a home tie. We've got to be happy with that one. And here's hoping, you know, that there's no more
1: slip, slip ups now. Nope, yeah, certainly not. So, in the table, I'm not going to get into positions, but we've played 2, 1-1, won, won, drawn 0, lost 1, scored 3, conceded 1, goal difference plus 2 and points 3. Games to come, still a massive, massive uh, month to go, and I you know we're on the 16th of August already. So, Thursday's Thursday coming, at home to uh,
0: Alashkert.
1: I'm glad you said that because yep. I couldn't pronounce it and I think I've spelt it wrong in a way. So Alashkert. Alashkert. Was... So that's a Europa League playoff game and that's an a, a 8 o'clock kick-off. So a massive, massive game as well. Glad the first game's at home. Just want to get the, the tie done and dusted there and then. Again, though, as you were saying, Dave they are unknown quantity really, so yep. it's better if we're maybe a, if it was a tougher tie, so that we kind of knew what to expect, and we we never got that complacency, which I think the team have been suffering from this year so far. Then it's on to Sunday the twenty second of August away to Ross County. That's in the Premiership. That's a, a three pm kick off. Then it's the return leg against Alloa on the t- Thursday the twenty sixth of August. That's a pain in the arse because it's a, a 4 o'clock p.m. time. So, an utter pish time. I'm not going to likely be able to see much of it. Dave, I think, will you be able to see I'll,
0: it? You know, I'll certainly be able to watch it, Derek. But I'm, I'm working that night, but I'll, I'll be able to watch the game in full... Hopefully Derek will be a comfortable one for us uh, because we will have run up a cricket score in the first game. I'm not, I'm, I'm saying hopefully. <laughs> uh, as you say, I know nothing about this team whatsoever. And going by what's been happening recently, we kind of count our chickens until they've hatched. So we'll yeah. just have to wait and see how, how that one goes.
1: So, so you're on post-match pods duty that night then?
0: Yes, and Derek, I'm hoping that it's a bit longer than my Dundee (laughs) United post-match because I was so pissed off with the team that day. There was so little happened for us that I really didn't have that much to talk about in the game. So apologies to to everyone that listened to to my post-match after that. But if you'd actually watched the game, you would have saw exactly that there wasn't much for me to talk talk about. So uh, here's hoping I've got a lot of goals to, to talk about in that one, Derek.
1: Yes, and much like what happened when we went to play UFA um, a few years ago in the Europa, Europa League playoffs as well, we've got an old firm game three days later because on Sunday the 29th of August we're at home to Celtic in the Premiership. That's a, a midday kickoff. So again, I know what happened with UFA when we had to, a long distance to travel into Russia. It's Armenia this time, not quite as much of a distance, but it's a pain in the arse for the players yes. as well. It's a pain in the arse as well because I'd arranged on this Thursday coming to go out with my mate expecting um, Rangers to be in a Champions League qualification <laughs> tie tomorrow and it gets moved to the Thursday so yep. pain in the hoop there, Rangers destroying your social life as well. So,
0: Destroy your happiness and destroy your <laughs> social
1: life Derek. <better. laughs> Nearly destroyed my marriage the other night as well. Oh, exactly,
0: the game yeah, yes I know. Yes.
1: So all to play for, lots, lots of uh, interesting ties, yeah. very important ties. Can't take the foot off the the gas at all, and we need to just build on the Dunfermline game.
0: Definitely, and here's hoping, Derek, that this is the last time that we have a negative down the tunnel onto the pitch section for a long, long, long time. I want that to be finished, and everyone to be a joyous listen to uh, for, for for all the listeners out there.
1: It's always joyous with us, Dave and our dulcet tones. <laughs> so more dulcet tones coming next because we go into the classic match.
0: Dave goes into the toilet because I'm needing a <laughs> pee. Give me two
1: seconds. And then it is the final whistle's gone. Rangers have won the European Cup Winners Cup. So, Dave, you've got a UEFA Cup tie to to go over this time, haven't you?
0: Yeah, Derek. I thought again. I've been I've been thinking a lot about lightning. Striking twice, as I keep saying, in European games and failures in the past and how it's happened to us again and stuff like that. And when we got knocked out of the Champions League and we're into this Europa League qualifying game against an unknown entity uh, in in this team or unknown quantity, whatever you want to say. uh, I was looking back at uh, games similarly like that and I came across a game that was played in 1998 where... Again, in the UEFA Cup, we were drawn against PAOK Salonica, a game that we thought that we should go out and win quite comfortably, but again against a bit, a bit of an unknown, not quite sure what to expect. And this is possibly what I think could m- maybe happen again, you know, with the way that things have been working out for us in Europe. But going into the, the, the Rangers team that day, the, the Rangers team lined up with anti Niemi in goal, Sergio Perini, Lorenzo Amoruso, Craig Moore, Arthur Newman, Andre Kinchelskis, Ian Ferguson, Barry Ferguson, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, Rod Wallace and Gordon Dury. It was actually a debut for Arthur Newman, so, you know, it was uh, one of Dick Advocat's early games in charge for Rangers. And it was actually PAOK that had an early chance. They had a shot wide for the edge of the box after a mix-up and sort of tangled legs. Lorenzo Amoruso sort of fallen getting tangled up with the attacker it had fallen to another one of their players they actually got through had a shot thankfully it was wide of the post then in the 7th minute Gabriel Amato had to come on for Gordon Jury after a bad tackle by the Salonica defender on Gordon Jury he got a yellow card but Gordon Jury unfortunately his match was cut short he had to come off and it was a new Argentinian striker Gabriel Amato that came on to replace him Tackles were flying at that stage and Salonica eh, down to 10 men eh, after a reckless tackle on Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. Second yellow card for the defender who had just put in the shocking tackle on Gordon Jury. So that gave us a lift for the supporters in there. Then a chance for, for Rangers free kick on the edge of the box after Perini was scythed down again. That was another yellow card. But just past the post there, there was a shot by Barry Ferguson from the free kick. But then Ferguson again getting more and more into the game. This was really the season that, that Barry Ferguson was emerging as being a real star for Rangers. He was getting onto the ball all the time, and it was Barry Ferguson a great ball out. To the right wing to Andre Konchelskis, who then swung in a ball to Rod Wallace. He had a bullet header. We thought it was going to burst the net just inches wide there of the post, really unlucky. Then Ian Ferguson in there. This was a type of game that Ian Ferguson loved because the tackles are flying. And the thing that I thought was hilarious was it was Barry Ferguson. Van Bronckhurst and Kinchelskis that were all getting targeted. Not one of their players put in a hard tackle in like Ian Ferguson at all during the whole game. I think they knew what type of player he was. <laughs> he was right in there. He wins the ball in the midfield, charges forward, plays a great ball out to the right wing to Andre Kinchelskis. He cuts inside. He fires a shot, but it's straight at the goalkeeper. So still nil-nil at that point. Rangers well on top. But the tackles were still still going in, they were, you, you could see quite clearly that they knew the likes of Van Bronckhurst and Ferguson were sort of instrumental to our team, it was them that, that, that were getting targeted uh, then on the 38th minute Gabriel Amato, he steals the ball from the defenders just inside the POK half, he shoots unfortunately though, straight at the goalkeeper so another great chance there and at, then out of nowhere, half chance for Salonika, a shot from distance, swerved just at the last minute, but thankfully just past the post, still 0-0, and then just before half-time, free kick to Rangers on the left wing, swung in, headed by Gabriel Amato, he heads over at close range, really should have done better at that stage, and the half-time whistle blew, so still 0-0, Rangers playing against 10 men, hadn't broken the deadlock, a few grumbles weren't quite sure how it was going to go. That was still in the days of away goals. We knew that uh, you know anything from that that team to score could have been an absolute disaster. Thankfully, we didn't have to wait long until Rangers eventually broke the deadlock. Because the start of the second half, Rangers really were piling on the pressure, and then on the 56th minute, Rangers took the lead. And As Van Bronckhurst threw ball to Rod Wallace on the left wing, he crossed the ball into the box. And a fantastic header by Andre Kanchelskis passed the goalkeeper to make it 1 0 to Rangers. Great ball in, great guided header into the bottom corner. Goalkeeper had no chance and it was a fantastic start to the second half for Rangers then P.E.O.K. had a, a chance again they had a shot from a free kick outside the box but straight at Anti who held onto the ball then Barry Ferguson he got forward with the ball he had a shot for the edge of the box but hit it high, high over the bar really she should have done better a few minutes after that Andre Conchelsis on the right wing great cross into Giovanni Van Bronkers on the edge of the box he had a first time shot fantastic technique but straight at the goalkeeper again, so you know really unlucky there. But then on the 65th minute, we doubled our advantage and we scored the second goal) <laughs> <laughs> From Rangers. Alberts, who was just on as a substitute, he plays the ball up to Gabriel Amato. First time pass to Rod Wallace on the edge, who fires a shot low, curled into the bottom corner. Tremendous finish by Rod Wallace. That made it 2 0 to Rangers, and the crowd were all gave a great sigh of relief there as we got our second goal. Then we really should have had more Andre Kinchevskis on the right wing, crossed into Gabriel Amato, header from distance, saved by the goalkeeper. And then the uh, substitute for Rangers, Van Bronckhurst came off. He had a fantastic game. And it was Reno Gattuso who came on. And I was trying to think if Gattuso and Ferguson had played in the same team at any point. That reminded me that they did. The 90th minute, George Alberts, unlucky not to score the third. A thunderous shot for the edge of the box. A fantastic save by the goalkeeper of Salonica. But that was the end of the game for Rangers. 2-0 victory at Ibrox. They wee leg a week later saw Rangers go through to the next round because it was a nil-nil result over there. So Rangers going through 2-0 in aggregate. And as I say, Derek, this is, I've, I've got a funny feeling that this could possibly be a, a repeat of that type of performance for us. Still, you know, early at the start of the season, playing a team that we don't really know much about. That'll be feeling quite plucky, trying to, you know, take something away from us. So if it works out like that, I'll be absolutely delighted.
1: Yes, I mean you've got to remember that was still a team trying to find its feet Brand new team as well And was only a, a few weeks away from that near shock result against Shelburne That's correct, yeah Yeah, so um, testing times early on But certainly we came through them that season well so. Certainly I did, yep Yes, so we'll have another classic match the next episode It's now time for the news <laughs> So, Dave, as ever, we've got a lot to get through in the news, but I'm going to go off on a bit of a rant here.
0: Yes, I kind of thought you did, Derek, (laughs) as uh, listeners listening last night, uh, both me and you obviously share the, 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 the Twitter page for the podcast, and I was sitting at work last night and my phone almost fell off my desk with the amount of uh, times that I was getting no- notifications and it was vibrating and it was all to do with something I'm sure you're about to to, to talk about here. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you
1: get into it, Derek. Yes. So Club 1872, no secret over the years that I've been sceptical about them since its inception. I was a member of the RST, was paid monthly into Rangers first as well. And when they merged, I didn't continue my membership for a number of reasons, as did a lot of people. One of them is I didn't believe what they wanted to, to achieve was actually possible. Fast forward a number of years and another a number of unexplained board resignations later, I think my scepticism is justified. There's been poor governance, dwindling membership with no apparent plan to build the membership, no communication despite what some say. There's been no published minutes of board meetings, which are a legal requirement to maintain as part of the Companies Act. And I believe that because it's a members organisation as well, they should be published. There's been no board meetings even via Zoom. There's been no AGM. There's been no elections. The accounts were published overdue, which incurred a fine. This has led to a group of requisitioners, the most prominent one being Robert Marshall, I believe, of the Loudoun Tavern, looking for an EGM to effectively oust the, the current board. That's not before. Over a series of months, they've tried to get answers about numerous questions that still lay unanswered. A number of issues, allegations, questions, whatever word you want to use for that, that Robert has put to them without answers. The ins and outs of all of those questions, allegations or whatever are on social media to see. So I'm not going to cover them on this podcast because there may be legal implications there. And that's kind of been found out with the fact that Robert Marshall has had a visit and question by the police and he was arrested with no further action as well. So I'm not going to get into that part of it. What I'm angry about is that Rangers fans more than most should know about how important proper governance and transparency is. It's absolutely imperative to anything that we do. I'm sure it was one of the foundations of Rangers first as well, and I believe it should have carried over to to Club 1872. Since its inception, whenever you've asked a question about them, online especially, some people online have met you with abuse, like when asked if they had paid for the adverts within Ibrox or was it given by the Rangers board as a freebie. The fact that they were also appearing to be too close to the actual Rangers board has been pretty much confirmed that they appear to be far too close to the board given how close Dave King has been with them and the fact that they've set up the deal. This is not a slight on Dave King, I'm not getting into that as well. We owe that man more than we could ever imagine for, for effectively saving our club. The actual deal itself though that they've agreed with, from my knowledge no members were ever told about it never mind asked to vote on it. That's despite somebody I was arguing with last night claiming it was they were asked to vote on it. Other sources from the requisitioners, they gave a podcast today on Heart and Hand. They were not consulted with it at all, the members. The explanation for that was given when the board members, they've, they've done a social media campaign at the time to say that the main purpose of Club 1872 was to acquire shares wherever and whenever they can. That's absolutely correct. However, the Dave King deal is a £13 million deal and it was due to be over three years. That is an astronomical amount of money to try and to claw in. You would think that the members should have a say on something that massive. It's not like the deal that Club 1872 done with to get Mike Ashley shares. That had to be done in a specific way to get them wrangled off him. And thankfully they did do that. That's one of the major things that they have done correctly. And if I've picked up on the the podcast that was out today correctly, the revenue from the accounts over the last year was £400,000. So how long is it going to take to get that £13 million in? Now, in December, they announced the, the, the Dave King deal. In January, they said that they would give the club directly up to £2.5 million by June for a share issue to go direct with the club. From what I see, I think it's only been about a fifth of that money that they've given, only about four hundred to £500,000. If, if I'm wrong with that, somebody correct me please. They've ended up having to get Dave King to extend their deal for another year or two years, three years or however long it will be to effectively put more money directly into the club rather than pay him money. Now, Parking some of the allegations aside for a minute. They don't have to be doing anything dodgy. Just the impression that they are is enough for me. And it was the same with the SPFL. It's the same with Celtic. It's the same with anyone. You don't have to be doing dodgy. You just need to give the impression you are. And when everything is met with no comment and certain comments from certain people and all the cloak and dagger deals, what else are you meant to think? Now, if you're happy with Club 1872 and its current form and its current board members, that's absolutely fine. That is your right. But then you can't go on to belittle other people's concerns and then make up utter shite about the reasons for their concerns. They're paying members just as much as you. Someone was trying to imply to me last night that I must be a part of... Robert Marshall's crew is a support his actions to to try and get an EGM. They even mentioned about me going to his pub. Now, Dave, between me and you, I think we've been into his pub about half a dozen times. Even if that, you know, someone leveled even leveled at me that folk like Robert Marshall think they're the boss of fans. Now, I've never met the guy. I don't know him personally, so I don't no. know if that's what he really thinks. But you see that time and time again with the, the, there's an element of our support who get very uppity and throw that accusation about several times when a, a prominent name gets mentioned you've seen it time and time again with David Edgar with Robert Marshall with his son the SLO with Craig Houston the, the list is almost endless because it happens every time somebody puts their head above the parapet. Folk bo- appear more bothered about who's asking the questions rather than the fact that the, the, the questions that are being asked are very, very pertinent. And it's the same old he doesn't speak for me, part of the the, the argument. It's, it's pathetic. He may not speak for you, but he's garnered enough support by many other members, and that's the thing. They've obviously got the same questions and same concerns over the governance of the Club 1872 board. You can't turn around and say that Robert is orchestrating a smear campaign on the current Club 1872 board and then imply, without any evidence at all, that he's orchestrating a sexist coup. That's basically what somebody implied to me last night, and he never denied it for the fact that, that he made the point that all Robert's trying to do is oust a female director and install, install all male directors in her place. That's utter bullshit. And that's the point I made, is it doesn't matter what gender or who the person is. If they're the right person for the job, I don't care who they are. I mean, I suspect the two people that I was arguing with online have got personal ties to the, the current board as it stands just now, given their vociferous defence and ultimately plain ignorance of the situation strangely they were chopping and changing their argument quite a bit last night as well with me they were going on about one thing and then quickly changing it to another thing as well I mean I had to laugh as well because I made the point that Robert Marshall is a successful businessman with a successful business he's got nothing to gain other than hassle through all this so why would they risk his businesses and risk his reputation on that my point was completely skewed with that and they made out as if I was just trusting a successful businessman. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying why would he risk his business and his reputation over over something that he's just trying to stir a bit of shit? So I know it was a lot to take in there, Dave. I know I went off in a rant, but it angers me when people don't allow people their own opinions and then see when something like this happens with the governance of a board. Can you imagine if these same people turned round to Dave King and the Three Bears and just said oh yous are just shitstering, yous are just uh, making accusations up about the Sports Direct deal, that and Dave, if I can remember back right, there were a few, a few folk out there like that, weren't there?
0: Yeah, no, there was, Derek, there was. You know, going, go I mean, what I found hilarious, uh, as I say, I was just sitting what, watching your uh, debate last night uh, on Twitter with a, a, a few people and, you know, you, you get accused of being a, a supporter and a follower and knowing this guy, you know, it's quite like you said, I think I've been in the London Tavern maybe twice in the last 10 years, you know, when you know this guy, if he was to walk past me and slap me in the face, and I'm sure, you, sure you're the same. So... I a bit ridiculous there. There are always pe- people, Derek, that, that are looking to try and either... I, I, I don't know if the guy, you know, and, and other people out, out there are trying to defend certain ways or think that maybe because they have been a, t- a staunch follower that they've got to defend every single thing that happens, even if they know themselves that it's not right. I think the questions that, that you asked, Derek, you certainly weren't out there trying to, trying to stir the shit or Trying, to, you know, it was it was genuine questions that you were looking to to to, to find out. And as you say, you did they feel right about everything that's been going on, and quite rightly so. There should be a lot of questions get getting asked, and when they're constantly coming up against a brick wall, not not being consulted, and as you say, that's a hell of a, a lot of money that uh, you know that they were going to be pledging, you know, to try and get these shares. I and mean, when it looks as if it's not going to be materialising. And no one seems to know what the hell's going on. Then you know you're damn right. There should be a lot of questions getting asked.
1: I just don't think some people have learned anything over the last ten years. With when it comes to Rangers, their, their fans, the governance of things if something's not right, then damn right you're meant to ask questions because ultimately what they're doing is it's the same with the the Murray deniers out there as well. Oh, everything's fine. He said everything's fine and and not actually looking through the the lens at this.
0: A lot of these things now, Derek, in the last few years have all came from that. We went years and years and years thinking, you know, oh, it's David Murray, he's got you know all the, all all this money that he's going to put into Rangers, you know. So it doesn't matter. We didn't have to ask any questions. We're you know this man's gov- governing us for forever. You know, we're never going to get into any financial bother. He'll fix it. He'll you know throw a a couple of million in at that, a couple of million in at this you know, to make sure and then, you know, sure as fate, look look what happened to us 10 years ago. So a a lot of people, quite rightly, what you said, Derek, everything that's happened to us over the last 10 years, we should be scrutinising everything that goes on financially, making sure that everything looks correct, everything looks right and, you know, that everybody has a proper say, especially on something like that, Derek, when it's supposed to be for the fans, you know, that are, uh, you, you know, it's, it's supposed to be the fans that are going out, a, a group led by fans to try and acquire these shares, you know, to get money back, back into the club. And as you say, when they're getting told nothing and being kept in the dark, you know, there needs to be questions asked.
1: I mean, this is the, the frightening thing as well. If the current board stay as it is just now and they keep going on like this and then they do it eventually, which would be incredible because, as I said, membership is completely dwindling, if they do get into a position of power, they are in a position of power of our club. And if they're acting like this just now, what are they going to be like when they're in power in our club? They're never going to get I mean, it was twenty five percent plus one, you know, that was the that was the goal to have some sort of control. Yes. They have an um, a potential to get in a very influential position. So if they're acting like this just now, what is it going to be like if they do actually get into power? That is my big worry. You cannot have something like this happening. The 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 secrecy, the lack of transparency, everything that's happened. I mean, the chucking out the chaplain. It's one thing he had to resign and obviously he he sent um Mark Dingwall a big letter. He's had to resign from that, that position. And then they they effectively chucked him out Club eighteen seventy two. Why? Because he was telling the truth, what's what's there to be done about this? If Club eighteen seventy two have the, the board members just now have got nothing to hide, then rather than sending childish targeted emails out to their members about the issue, they will be open and honest about it and go on things like heart and hand and explain themselves exactly exactly as the, their case is now heart and Hand on the back of or at the same time of as getting this interview with the requisitioners they said that they had asked club 1872 if they want to come on and, and do a separate podcast or whatever no reply which is what's happened all throughout this time so something needs to change there i'm not going to spend too much time on it we'll probably get some heat from somebody from for saying what i've said here but i'm no caring now because if you want people to to part with their hard-earned cash given the fact that you could plow all that money into rangers just now and make a difference in rangers then sorry you need to act a wee bit more professional and be above board and be completely transparent because that the lack of transparency is how we ended up in the position we are simple as but anyway moving on from that rant i'll move on to another rant <laughs> It's Dave, I was in Glasgow with the wife on Friday. It's the first time since the Sockey Hall Street store opened that I've ever had a chance to get in there. I had the full intention to buy the new home top. None. Absolutely really? none. None to be found. It's the first time I've actually had to deal with Castor issues. But for one of your main stores in Glasgow to not have stock of the main kit you're going to be wearing this season, completely unacceptable. I mean, particularly as I don't really like their way in the the third kit anyway. But they, I think they had the junior kits for the the utilitar. So
0: uh, no, no, no adult sizes at all, Derek.
1: No adult size home kits at all. My I was God. fully prepared to buy the uh, buy the top there. None.
0: That's quite incredible. As I say, I, when the new top first got unveiled, Derek, I went into the, that very store about a week later, and it was certainly full. Uh, and I bought my son the top because at that stage. I wasn't quite sure at the top I told you that myself, it's grown on me ever since and I actually really like it now so I'm quite annoyed that I didn't buy, buy myself the top but uh, that's quite incredible Derek I don't know, Did do you know what the situation's like at the actual store at the, the stadium? Are they in the, the, the exactly
1: the same position? I've no idea I never went that far to be honest but um, I, from what I've seen the snippets online people are saying some of the stocks been poor as well so uh, I, I don't. I know we've bought. I think we announced that we had sold something like two hundred and fifty thousand uh, tops or something like that, yeah. which is absolutely incredible. Incredible. But, but Castore should have really known the demand, and how, especially how big last season was for us—the successful season it was—and we could have, you know, sold a lot more. But there we go. If you don't have the stock, then you don't have the stock. It's, it's pretty poor.
0: Yes. No. It is, Derek. And and going uh, again, still. A lot of issues with the quality of the of of the tops as well. I don't know if I, if I had mentioned it in the last podcast or not. But friend of the pod, uh, Graham from Five Stars, had went in and bought his his, his brand new top actually at the stadium, uh, put his top on. We went and watched the Real Madrid game, and by the time the game was finished, all of the red. The 32 Red sponsor was peeling off his brand new top and he'd only had it on for the duration of the game so I saw that with my own eyes so a lot of issues still there I see it constantly on social media people having issues with the quality of the you you know the strips I haven't had any issues at all with last season's top or the one that I got my my son this year hasn't been any issues it's been washed loads and loads of times it still looks perfect but obviously uh, still a lot of
1: issues there Derek. Yep absolutely. Next story here is Tory MSP Murdo Fraser wrote an article slating the SNP and stating that they have a Rangers problem and have been guilty of naked hostility towards the club. He stated that there are a number of politicians within the ranks of Labour, Conservative and Lib Dems who are open about who they support both of Rangers and Celtic but not one SNP MP or MSP identifies as a Rangers fan. He also slammed the SNP about their hypocrisy and double standards toward us compared with Celtic and Tart- the Tartan Army as well. Absolutely bang on the money there from Murdo Fraser. I know he gets a lot of stick, and you know, I can't really be arsed if you don't like somebody just because they're a Tory, you know, but he's fucking bang on with this one here.
0: Nothing that we didn't already know, Derek, you know, but it's refreshing that someone uh, as high profile as him is going to be highlighting this. Uh, As you say, he's took a hell of a lot of flack for coming out and saying it as to be expected, but uh, good that finally someone has came out and actually said something that we all knew has been going on for quite some time.
1: Yep. Next thing here is a couple of stories about transfers. Jordan Jones has left us to go to Wigan on a three-year deal. So, quite clearly, uh, I think an attitude problem there with Jordan Jones because I think he has got the ability. Definitely, yep. Just I think one he blotted his copybook straight away with the, you know, the Celtic tackle and ruling himself out, and then the COVID breach, and then going down to London. It was just for the final. It was just never going to happen for him, was it? Yeah.
0: No, I know Derek, and again. A player the likes, uh, you know, the same as guys like Josh Windass and, you know, players that had played for Rangers, it will dawn on him very quickly uh, the size of the club that he was playing for, the chance that he had, and the fact that he's blown it. So, you know, I guess. <laughs> Again, it'll be full of regrets for him. I'm not going to be nasty to the guy. I wish him all the best. I did honestly think that he was going to be a good player for Rangers, a good squad player to have, but it wasn't to be, and uh, we need to move on from there.
1: Yep. And the next one is Glenn Middleton as a way back on loan to St. Johnston. It's a season-long loan with an option, recall. I can't really see him making it us at all, can you?
0: No, but Derek, to, to be fair to the guy, well done to him because he's he's a young guy. He's uh, he's ended up getting a, a winner's medal for Rangers for the league and two cup medals for St Johnson last season. So, you know, I, I think it's the best move for him all round. He obviously feels a part of that squad, a winning squad, because uh, because let's be honest, St Johnson were tremendous last season under under Callum Davidson. You know, they they won both cup competitions. They were really unlucky last week. Uh, You know, they had a great result against Galatasaray. And then, you know, that they were unlucky in their their home leg as well. So, another player, Derek, I think is a very, very good player. But I don't think he's he's, he's ever going to become a regular at Rangers. So, if he's going to get his chance at a club like St. Johnson and actually go and win some trophies, then... Good, good on him, and you know we we wish him all, all the best. And who knows if he goes out and has an absolutely sensational season? You know we we will have the chance to to, to bring him back. But like you, I can't see him playing for us again.
1: No. Next story here, should Rangers and Celtic qualify for the Europa League group stages and we end up finishing third in the groups, then we go into an additional knockout round against one of the second-place Europa Conference League finishers with a place in the last 16 of the Europa Conference League for the winner. So, another kind of parachute down into the next competition of Europe uh, (laughs) if we finish third, so it's, it's... and apparently, because of this Conference League getting instated, um, the, there's less teams in the Europa League this year, so um, it's going to be a harder, harder opposition as well because yes. they are all champions as well. So, apparently, so for money, more than anything, I think we need to to definitely get into that Europa League. So at least if we do finish third, then there's there's a parachute. But yeah. at the same time, you know, we we should be hopefully wanting to get out that group again.
0: Yeah, again, Derek. It comes down. I hope we get a, a you know a, a more sort of formidable group with, with with more formidable teams in it because I do feel, like I said earlier on, that we always raise our game against the bigger teams. So I will just have to wait and see what happens here.
1: Need to wait and see if we qualify first. Dave. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yes.
1: <laughs> yep next one here is the debate over Rangers charging for media access rumbles on however over the weekend there have been a number of stories which have highlighted why exactly we're doing this. Firstly it was claimed that Katic had been told he's been sold. Both Rangers and Katic rubbished it and the plan has always been to get him out on a decent loan and back him up back up to full strength after being out for a year. Then you have got a few stories, one from Robocop Proven about Gerard being under pressure not getting the backing from the board our transfers have been poor. Con- Contrast that with the uh, amazing news from uh, from all fucking amazing Celtic that they are world beaters because they beat fucking uh, Hearts because they they beat this that other bloody Jabroni team
0: <laughs> jabroni. <laughs> and, uh, and then and the beat, be- and they beat a world class Dundee team six nothing.
1: <laughs> Aye, exactly. And then they, and then the best of all was trotting out. That amazing superstar Paddy McCourt, claiming that this new Japanese player that they've got is going to be worth thirty million.
0: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Derek. I've, you know, I'm sure I'm quite surprised that they weren't quoting more than that. To be honest with
1: you. Yeah, and then to, I think tonight um, we've apparently turned down three offers for Giannis Hadji as well. There was no source, no credible sources anyway. No comments, no nothing. You know, they've just said Rangers have turned down cre- um, three three bids. I mean. Everybody in their dug knows over the last three years, Rangers have been a closed shop when it comes to transfers. That's what made me an even more annoyed about some folk on Rangers Twitter with the, the whole Cattich story, completely believing it. And it's weird because most people do slam the red tops and then see when a story about a transfer break's either coming in or, or, or leaving, they're all cock a hoop about it. So it's like, you can't slam the, the red tops and it's tell us not to, to listen to them and then completely listen to them when it comes to a transfer it's just so stupid but when are people going to realize that Rangers are doing the 100% right thing with with this year why are we giving them free access to just end up writing shite see if they want to write shite they're going to do it anyway let's not give them the gravy train yep. this time
0: yeah no I, I agree with you 100% Derek I think uh You know any sort of access from Rangers when it comes to the media should should be done through, you know, media that the fans actually want to sit and listen to. And we all know the absolute nonsense that gets spouted for the BBC, for Radio Clyde, for you know all the newspapers. You know, we've 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 been listening to it now for years and years and years and. Constantly complaining about it—it's it's quite incredible. So no, they, they've they had their, their their opportunity, Derek, to try and make things right with the club. They didn't. They tried to stick the boot in as many times as they possibly could. So now it's uh, Rangers have done the right thing, and now they're they're absolutely livid about it. And you know, we're, we we're just laughing because it's it's about time it happened. So no, I'm I'm happy with the stance that the club has done, and uh, long mate continue. In my opinion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The last piece of main kind of Rangers news here is uh, the cinch route also rumbles on as well, with some fans of other teams just telling us to accept the deal and get on with it. I mean, here's the big issue with teams in Scotland, that too many of them are willing and too heavily reliant on giving scraps, and none of them can see that the deal is an absolute sham. It's been now found out that Spurs are getting... From Cinch, £10 million a year for sponsor on their sleeve. Compare this to the £8 million for 42 teams over five years to have virtually complete uh, sponsorship on the sleeves, on the, in the grounds and the Man of the Match sponsor as well. What does it take for fans of other clubs to understand that Rangers here are fighting their cause as well not to get scraps like this? It's, it's unbelievable.
0: Again, Derek, I think a lot of it comes down to, oh, it's Rangers. You know, let's uh, let's try and criticise as much as possible without actually going and looking and you know exactly what the deal is. You know, is is worth. People are seeing the eight million, right but they're not seeing everything. I mean, you you ran down the full uh, the full details in the last podcast to say how much it was going to actually work out for each team each season, and it's an absolutely pitiful, the amount. Uh, but basically, they just... I mean, I I, I even saw some r- ridiculous statement for Hugh Keevans going on about a multi-million pound sponsor deal which was being scuppered by Rangers. Mm-hmm. And as you say, the whole... Uh, by the way, this is over five years, uh, and if you you know, actually I'd I'd add it all up. But I mean did did you say Derek it was turning out to be something like forty thousand pounds a year for each team or something like that, well, is that correct?
1: Well, well that's the thing, it's not been really clarified and I did see somebody saying that the top twelve teams so in the, the teams in the premiership would get like five hundred thousand pounds over the five years over it. But even that it's still nothing thousand a season. You know, Doncaster makes more in one season I say makes, yep. I use that term lightly there But he's getting £400,000 a year where We yep. make it's, just over that over the five years It's, it's, it's abysmal it,
0: it, it is pitiful Derek, it really is But again, because it's us You've got all the haters out there are just jumping on the bandwagon to say that we're trying to uh, put a spanner in the works and it's all this money. And really, when you look at it, Derek, it's absolutely pitiful for for every club out there. So, no, I agree with you 100% there.
1: The last piece of news here I've got is uh, Charles Green accepted uh, a £6.3 million plus legal (laughs) fees from the Crown Office in compensation for his wrongful prosecution. I say that lightly as well. He then went on to the Keys and Grey podcast talking a load of shite. Now, I'm going to be careful what I'm going to say here because he's now got the money to sue us. But um, (laughs) know that we've got the money, mind you. Mm. But on that note, though, on it, he did say that Police Scotland were corrupt. So I hope hope the the legal team at Police Scotland are, are listening there. But let's be honest, nobody from Rangers cares what that guy has to say unless it's to tell us where all the money from the share issue and the season ticket money went, because I think there was yep. something near sixty million pounds has went missing. And then tell us why he signed the Sports Direct deal, which he actually went on to claim was a great deal for us.
0: Oh, unbelievable, Derek! I, I didn't listen to it, Derek, because I knew that it would have got my blood boiling. So I, I, I made a conscious decision not to listen to it. And going by what you've just told me, I'm glad that I didn't listen to it. I'm really surprised that uh, that, that, that Andy Gray, who is a you know a huge Rangers. Fan, you know, agreed to, to to have him on the podcast because lately you, you said there's not one Rangers fan out there is the slightest bit interested what that guy's got to say, and you know, again, there's more questions than answers there. some of that stuff that you've just said that he's, you know, that he's came away with. So no, I'm I'm glad now that I didn't listen to it Derek before we go, Derek. Before we go, can I just have a special mention to the biggest wind up merchant in Scottish football for yet again.
1: Oh, coming no, out, I know what you're going to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the man, the man who's never, never married Rangers or played with Rangers or really had anything to do with Rangers, but really does like to wind up the Celtic fans as much as possible. Yes, I'm talking about the one-time Hearts player, manager, coach, director league groundsman, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> Craig Levine. Craig, again, I tip my hat to you for coming out and winding up the Celtic fans. I, I don't, I'm sure everybody knows what I'm, I'm about to say, but his comments on the radio last week, uh, I think it was on the B- BBC, uh, with regards to Gordon Strachan doing his dual role, both at Dundee and at Celtic, and being asked how he would be allowed to do such a thing and why he would do such a thing for Craig Levine to turn around to say, well, possibly done Dio Celtic a favour. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> absolute comedy gold But Craig once more. is almost as good as the lawnmowers going behind him after he beat Celtic at Tyncastle. Castle. No, nothing will ever uh, tip that for me. So thanks again, Craig. Don't ever change get on the radio as much as possible because you know how to wind them all up, so well
1: done. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. So, fire crews called to hospital to cut metal ring off patients' penis. (laughs) Fire crews were called to a hospital in the UK to cut off a metal ring off a, of a man's penis. A doctor at Huddersfield Royal Infirmary called the Technical Rescue Service of West Yorkshire Fire and Rescue Service to help a man who had a stainless steel metal ring stuck to his penis on Thursday the 22nd of July. Crews used specialist cutting equipment to relieve <laughs> the anonymous patient from his particularly embarrassing predicament. Commenting on the odd case, former GP Stuart Oliver said that mishap would have been incredibly painful for the bloke. Speaking to Yorkshire Live, he said, I have no idea why this particular man had done this but I can only assume it was to help maintain an erection. The problem is that the blood had gone into the penis and it needs to drain back and if it gets swollen up then it would be prevented from happening. It would be incredibly painful and you would need to remove the ring as quickly as possible as there is a possibility that gangrene could start (laughs) developing. It's a strange thing to do with a metal ring. Rubber is more stretchable. (laughs) <laughs> a West Yorkshire Fire and Rescue spokesman said, West Yorkshire Fire and Rescue Service crews attended a hospital at Acre Street, Lindley and Huddlesfield yesterday afternoon to assist a patient. While well, the case is obviously unusual, perhaps the fella in question can comfort himself in the knowledge that he's far from the first person to put his penis somewhere he shouldn't have. In 2018, A man in Hong Kong decided to use a large metal nut as a makeshift penis ring in order to maintain an erection. Sadly for the 34-year-old, the nut couldn't be dislodged from the base of his shaft and ended up in hospital. By the time he was seen, he had developed a fever and his penis was severely oedematous. Meaning that it had accumulated a lot of excess fluid, doctors had to use a diamond disc cutter in order to get through the metal, presumably causing his member to shrivel <laughs> to the brink of invisibility. <laughs> and <they laughs> share, share, look. <laughs> Even then, though, it wasn't enough to prevent the bloke from sustaining two cuts on his Johnson during Whoa. the procedure. <laughs> oh, it
0: brings tears to your eyes. Oh, dearie dear. dear. There
1: are there are specialised <laughs> shops for these kind of things, you know. Is that? So I've heard.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. So on that note, we will end the podcast. So it's been a slightly longer podcast than we expected. Four games to cover, and a lot that's happening. I suspect the next podcast will be the exact same. Oh. However. As ever, if you want to check out what we do, which is still to be updated, you can go to our website at iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com. So, a lot to digest there, and a lot coming up as well, Dave.
0: It certainly is, Derek. It has been. I was sitting thinking, I thought this is going to be back to, you know, a, a type of pods that we uh, recorded a, a couple of seasons ago. I don't like that, Derek. I like us to be happy. I like us to be positive. So here's hoping that that's the last time that we're going to be uh, sort of more negative, certainly about our team's performances. So just have to hope get uh, a good good result on Thursday, another good result on Sunday as well, and uh, it will be a much happier podcast next week when we report back in.
1: Yes, a, a good result the next day and a good result the next one as well. So exactly. <laughs> so. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye-bye.
0: And the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like
1: it. Let's go. Manchester, brace yourself. Rangers are